Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Wendy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Happy Christmas, Bardi. Happy Christmas, Wendy. And our tactics guy, and a man who strongly believes the best reindeer flying formation is a 3-4-1. Happy Christmas, Nathan A. Clark. Like, realistically, you're going to get the most coverage from that shape? I think so. It's, it's almost the Christmas tree formation, too. Not <laughs> far off. Very, yeah. it, um, who is number one, though? Because um, it puts a Rudolph. lot of pressure on that lead. Rudolph's not, yeah. He's not a real reindeer, Windy. He's not part of the actual tribe. He's just he's, been created. He's the leader. He, no, he's he, not, it's, it's how the song goes. Wait, he, is he? He's not, an official, he's not an official reindeer. <laughs> is he not? No, he's, he's not. Wait, is he a fake reindeer? Yeah, he's not. I don't he's understand. He's not a dancer and... Prancer and Frasher no. and the other one. There is no Rudolph in in the original lineup of. of oh, I of see. So, well, who who has the authority to decide who and who is not like within <laughs> within acceptable reindeers? Father Christmas, he decides. I think that you just have a nose based prejudice. You're no better than Dancer and Prancer themselves, are you, mate? <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's foggy, then then we're getting involved. Otherwise, oh, I see. Yeah. When he's a when good one, you. when it's convenient for you, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that intro was donated by Daniel Permit. Thank you, Daniel. I I um I asked on Twitter for some some festive intros for Nathan, and we had lots. They were all very excellent. I enjoyed reading them. Nathan, you'll enjoy reading back through those later, I'm sure. Um, this is our this is our last podcast before Christmas, hence the, the Happy Christmas intro. Um, been a, been a bit going on, boys. Been an exciting week in the world of Spurs. I'm looking forward to getting stuck in. Uh, before we do, you can now leave podcast ratings on Spotify. So if you use Spotify for your podcast, in fact, even if you don't, if you just use Spotify full stop, please take a moment to leave us a five star rating. That would be very, very helpful. Uh, if you don't want to rate us five stars, just don't leave a rating. It's probably the best thing to say. Uh, but thank you very much in advance for everyone who does. We we appreciate the support. Speaking of Spotify, uh, one of our uh, ex-subs, I think the one whose song we put on the end of a recent episode, um, has a very good Christmas Spotify playlist that sort of avoids all of the ones you've heard a billion times over and are annoying. Uh, so you can sort of hit that Christmassy theme without being irritated. So... Uh, <laughs> I mean, if he wants that put out there, we'll put that out there it's, as well. It's really good. Yeah, I can put that in the yeah. show notes if uh, if Dylan's up for that. Lots yeah. of Motown. Cool, cool. Um, Nathan, what have you been up to this week? Uh, I have been working on a video. I'm just in the research stage still. Ooh. That might come out next week uh, in time for Christmas. <laughs> um, that I think may well be received extremely controversially. So <gasps> get, get excited for that. Oh my goodness, that's um, that's quite betrayal. Is this is this for the exobs? It is. It will. It, it it definitely has to remain behind the paywall. <laughs> oh my goodness! Look, I'm, I'm worried. I've talked up too much now. Uh, I'm I'm excited. See, the thing is, Nathan just Bardi. Did we notice this? Nathan just beavers away. He doesn't he doesn't tell us anything about his videos? No. Does he? He doesn't give us any sort of hints of what he's working on. He just beavers away, and then you wake up. And it's like there's a bunch of comments in, on the Patreon from people who've 
Americans normally who've watched Nathan's video overnight, which I didn't even know had been published. Uh, and <laughs> they're normally saying amazing work once again, Nathan, that kind of thing. And then they're like, oh yeah, another Nathan video just dropped. <laughs> Exciting. Um, Bardi, I've got a little, I've got a little Christmas gift for you, a little Christmas present for you. I'm uh, nervous and excited at the same time. Okay, let's let's just drop this into the running order so you can enjoy your Christmas gift. Okay, I'm going to open it now. Okay. Have a look. Okay, so what you are seeing is uh, is courtesy of ninety seven Spursy on Reddit. This is this is an Eric Dyer apology form uh, to Eric Dyer from blank, but we're going to put the name Bardi in there. Uh, the yep. date twentieth of December two thousand twenty one. Reason for behavior. You've got to tick one of these boxes. One of the boxes you've got to tick. So these are the media convinced me he was done. I only looked at advanced analytics. I support Arsenal. I didn't watch the actual games. I do not know ball, and I miss Jan Vertonghen, brackets excused. And it says at the bottom, I will hereby respect Eric Dyer, and I will not talk down on the future 2021-22 Premier League champion. Bardi, which box are you going to tick? Um, they don't have the box that I would have ticked. He's that he's just started to play better again. Um, <laughs> oh, a coward. That's it. <laughs> He has started to play better again, but he's not the only one. And I would like to tick the box that Antonio Conte has made Eric Dyer a better footballer. And for that, I am very grateful for Conte and his magic. I think it's I think it's Conte and Dyer working seamlessly together that have made Dyer a great defender again. Not just a great defender, a ball playing centre back. So yeah. many effective long passes in the in the game yesterday. So impressive with his his vision and um, his range. So that was from ninety seven Spursy on Reddit. Um, really really entertained me when I saw that. And I got a lot of I got a lot of app mentions in the Discord saying um, that Bardi might need to see this. So uh, <laughs> so there we go. He wasn't the only one who was pinging it around. Even even Dave pinged one over the top beautifully. So he um, did. He did. Conte's fixing everything. Absolutely. So let's get stuck into it. Really, really enjoyable performance. Um, slightly frustrating result, having created uh, between 2.8 and 3.5 expected goals, depending on which model you're using. Um, you don't normally get to dominate Liverpool like that, but we did have the rub of the green with the the Kane challenge early on. So, uh, Bardi, what were your sort of general thoughts on the performance against Liverpool and how did you feel at the end of the game? You could probably hear by my voice that it was um, a quite a passionate affair and uh, I, I enjoyed it. And it just got me thinking that going to watch um, Tottenham, being able to watch Tottenham, it's a, it's a privilege that I'm very lucky to have. I have financially, I'm able to do it. Time-wise, I'm able to do it. And geographically, I'm able to do it. And even when Tottenham is really bad, it's still it's still a privilege to be able to go and watch the team I love play. But then there's, there's occasions where you go and see your team play and they just play with this intensity and this style and this kind of passion and hunger. And you, you're there in a the stadium and you're like, wow. This is this is why I support this club. This is why I love this sport. And it was it was just a brilliant day. And, and the fact that it was two two doesn't really bother me. It was it was how we played and the manner of our display, which is just completely different to everything we've seen for I don't know since when. I don't know. Maybe peak Pochettino, which is the same we keep saying peak Pochettino times at Old White Hart Lane. It was yep. a very much a a throwback to those days where you were proud of how the team were playing. And of course. Maybe it's small club while we didn't win, we, we won a draw, but it was, I, I really enjoyed it for all the right reasons. It wasn't just bantering off Man City 1-0 by playing low block and counter. It was a fabulous, fabulous evening watching football. And I was delighted to have been, had the privilege to watch it live. Beautifully put, beautifully yeah. put. Nathan, um, yeah, I mean, just, I'm happy to just open it up to you. I really want to get your thoughts. Where where do you think things went well? In fact, what we normally used to do is start with the team selection. So, Nathan, mm. were you surprised when you saw the team? No, because it had been talked about for the last couple of days about other previous games. And obviously, there's you know uh, a virus ravaging the team and every other team in the country at the moment. So, that aspect wasn't shocking. I was... I was trying to keep myself packed in a box. I was trying to not do the big or I think that these guys are going to do really well. You know, you know, watch what you say before this match and all that kind of stuff in case it was bad and then it came back and it would have been horrific and I didn't want to deal with the consequences. In retrospect, maybe I should have let myself out of my box and, and given it all that. Um, but I was, I was simultaneously more excited and more nervous for that lineup than I have been in a long time because I really 
really, really wanted it to work. And worked. And it, it did. did. <laughs> and it did work. And it did work. Uh, yeah. And it was, it was, it was the most fun I've had watching Spurs for a fucking while. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. You know? I, I, I've not felt those sort of feelings for some time. Like, I roared when the opening goal went in. I roared. And I've, I've celebrated goals a few times recently, <laughs> but you know it was such a great feeling because I'm I'm so optimistic about our future or certainly our short term future, and I feel really good about the players we got at our club and the manager more importantly got at our club, and um, it really felt like we're we're back. It really felt like that was a statement. Uh, this, I mean, I, I think you're right. We we kind of there'd been lots of. Um, ITK on on social media about the team selection. We knew that we trained with Sessignon in the left wing back position and with Winks and Dombele midfield, and it felt like that was going to be the format. That was going to be the the, the um, starting eleven, or that they were going to be in the starting eleven. So I felt pretty confident in that I didn't expect Delhi to be starting. That was a a bit of a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Nathan, do you think? Um, do you think Delhi was starting because Conte wasn't quite ready to trust Ndombele and Winks in a 3-4-3 system? Uh, and so he thought Delhi was a good fit for the 3-5-2. Or do you think there was something tactically um, suspect about Liverpool that made... Or, or did you think this was his way of dealing with Liverpool's approach play? Or was it just a, a simple fact of he's one of the ones who hasn't got COVID, so he's in? Could well be. Could well just be... Oh, I managed to scrape together 11 names who could just about play to with each other, I guess we'll go for three five two. Um I'm not gonna alternatively, lie. I, I, alternatively, Conte could have thought that he had a good game against Murray and was waiting to give him another one when the game up. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I was just just as much excited about the three five two as I was about the starting formation to be honest. Yeah. So one of the reasons he's lent or spoken about leaning away from the three five two is not what it uh, maybe that's not even true. Maybe we've extracted what we shouldn't. But this, the feeling was that he doesn't want to play Sun in the front two. Um, so how did you feel Sun got on in the front two? I feel so much better about him in the front two than I do with him in that three four three system. I just feel like he was an unbelievable threat. I mean, there's no doubt that we were helped by Tyler Morton playing, sure. who who is a good player, but he's a young player and an experienced player. And Son and Kane were kind of in that zone a lot of the time. And so when the ball was being fed forward, they were competing against a, a, a rookie and they were beating him in the air a, a lot. And that helped. And they massively missed Van Dyke. They don't did. There's any doubt about that. They did. They really did miss Van Dyke. Um, I mean, I thought, watching the game, I thought Delhi was just immense. He he added a physical presence to that team that, that Lucas couldn't have, wouldn't have been able to do. Listeners, thought, look, it's Bardi saying this. It's not me and Nathan. Go after him. <laughs> I, I thought his I thought his presence was great. I thought his link up play was great. I I thought his pressing was good, and he he also offered us a, an aerial um, def- aerial kind of um, presence in the box as mm-hmm. well, defending because they they are proper cross spammers. Liverpool they do love crossing it, and I thought he had a great game, and he, he should have scored, but you know but- he didn't, and that, that's I think we were missing that goal from him, and it would have been it would have been one of the more complete performances from Daly that we've seen for a long time. And I want to talk about the first goal a little bit because I th- I think whether you're a proper football man or whether you're um, a laptop person or whether you're just a uh, just a kind of easy come easy go f- uh, football fan, there was everything in that goal. You had Winks intensity w- getting stuck in and winning the ball, and then you had the ball coming to Endombele, and I don't I don't think anyone else on the pitch would have been able to play that 100%. pass through. No, the weighting of it, the vision of it, and then he had Kane who who for all his Faults he's had this year. He just it looked like old school Kane just finding that bottom corner. It was a beautiful goal. And you're right, the roar of it, because it was with the attack broke down and bang, we got it back straight away. And I, I can't remember the last time that happened that we were able to switch it into a goal scoring opportunity. And it was it was fantastic. Yeah, it was a great goal. It was really special. Uh yeah, I, I loved I loved that goal so much. Um yeah, I mean, I think Nathan's made a good point that, that Van Dyke missing was a obviously a huge loss for Liverpool. It's kind of like Canate's a good player, but it's like sure. um, it's like replacing Captain America with 
Hawkeye, you know? He's still a good player, but he's not at the same level. Well, it's, it's like replacing like, Christian yeah. Romero with Davins and Sanchez. Absolutely. Good, good, good point, buddy. exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. And, yeah. I, and I was going to say the same thing. We were not without our own absentees. And as much as I, I love yeah. the, the lineup... Schoenberg was missing. Yeah, I mean, missing. so this lineup is is three players off what I think would be my preferred Spurs lineup, and those three players would be would be Regulon, Romero, and Skip. Um, yeah, and, and I think that's a really bloody strong team with those three in. Hmm. Really, really strong. So, so Liverpool have some complaints about players missing, but absolutely so do we. And it's not like it's not like all of our players are fit and firing either. You know, Delian and Dombele were playing with very little game time in their legs in this match. Kane obviously is this is first home league goal of the season. So. Uh, to, to, to achieve what we achieved with those players in the pitch was remarkable. And I've just said that I would put Regidon in um, in my strongest eleven, but I don't know if that's going to be the case for much longer because Sessegnon is looking strong again. He had a really, really impressive match, particularly in the first half. I definitely felt he faded in the second with um, tiredness, as you'd expect. Uh, but he was very assertive in the first half and he kept Salah quiet phenomenally. Him and Davis really did a, a sterling job on, uh, on Mo Salah, I thought. Terrific work, and there's just there's just so much to enjoy about the performance. You can sort of go through every player, perhaps not every player. Perhaps that's overrating it a little bit because I would say Emerson Real had a slightly weaker yeah. game. Sanchez had a very hit and miss game. He made two brilliant interceptions, but I mean, I was screaming, I was screaming at my telly in the first two minutes because he did the most chaotic bit of defending in the inside the first minute to let Robertson have a chance. <laughs> And I was like, what are you doing? And then a minute later, he gave Emerson Royale the most horrendous hospital pass, which led to him getting absolutely clattered. And Emerson Royale's like saying to Sanchez, what was that, mate? Why are you giving me that? But he did he did make some good good interceptions too. He made a couple of goal-saving interceptions, so very up and down. But um, the rest of the team, I thought, was really impressive. Really I definitely good. think that we were defensively strong on our left side, so... Uh, Davies, Sessegnon yeah. and Delhi worked together really well um, and just shut down Salah and mostly Trent Alexander-Arnold mm-hmm. really impressively. And then on the other side, Davinson, Royale and Ndombele didn't didn't combine so well. Ndombele didn't sort of... It's hard to play that role where you sort of have to move out from a central role to then sort of help out on the wing. And Delhi was really smart with how he did that. And Ndombele looked a little less comfortable doing so. Um and then I think that like something that we've seen a fair bit already under Conte is like getting Royale free down in space down the right side, and he's been quite wasteful with that. And we saw mm. more of that again. Um, although I think he's really good, sort of deeper in build up. Um, yeah, and Dombley was really very quiet. Um, he was sort of okay defensively. Um, had that ridiculous assist, which you're right to say no one else in the in the squad is playing that. Um, but then was otherwise not hugely involved, and I think he he lost the ball. Um, in a dangerous position at one point, and I wonder if that there was sort of like a mentality either from him or from the team to be like just just keep it simple on this occasion and wait for your opportunity to do your thing, mm-hmm. um, which which worked out. So um, yeah, as much as we're saying yay, these players that that we've been calling for had a great game, and Domelo was pretty on pretty much on the quiet side, but I'm definitely not concerned about that. Impressive um, defensive contribution on the whole, though, I thought, from a player who gets a lot of criticism for, for switching off and not being attuned to his defensive duties. Well, sure. I think if you compare his performance to how he's perceived, he defended really well. Yeah. If you compare his performance to how he actually is, it was sort of only okay. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah so, I agree. Yeah. Um, and also you compare it to Delhi, and yeah, I mean, Delhi was just sure. fantastic. I thought I- so. I still think there's, there's, we need a little bit more from Delhi. I think he, for a first start in a long, long time, I think he gave a lot and he showed a desire and a willingness to do it. He, there was the odd pass here and there, which is a little bit off. I, I don't think he should have squared to Kane. I think he should have taken that himself. I think he probably should have scored where he went down easy for the penalty. I would like to have seen him attempt a shot rather than kind of wait for the contact. So I still think there's, there's more to come. Um, and I don't know if I'd go fantastic, but I thought it was a great performance. I liked him squaring it. I think he just under hit it a bit. Although I also think Kane could sort of chipped it from that position. Yes. So yeah, um, his shot was was good. It was you know a glove size away from going in. I reckon so. Um, but the penalty uh, one was the, the one that gets me yeah, because okay. it, it's compounded by the fact that they counter and score from it. And it, 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 it's just yeah. I could see what he's doing because he he knew the contact was going to come. Mm-hmm. It just it didn't turn out to be enough contact. Yeah, yeah. 
Exactly right. that. He left his leg out and he was hoping that he was going to get swiped from behind and he didn't. So he kind yeah. of just felt the hand on the back and went to ground instead, which just looked a bit weak, to be honest. But yeah. the, the most impressive thing about that and the the um, the, the squared pass that came was the movement. I mean, we've not, other than Son last season, we've not had a, a player doing that. And this mm. is not a forward doing it. This is an auxiliary midfielder who's not only doing that, but also doing the defensive work in his own box. I mean, the, the run that he made for the missed chance was literally from the edge of his own box. It was exceptional. He just moted up the field and got the end of it. And I had a quick look at the um, progressive passes received in this match. Um, so you've got Kane with seven, Son with six, which is what you'd expect from the two players playing up front. And then you've got Delhi with five. Really, really impressive from a player nominally playing as a third midfielder. Emerson with four, really good. I mean, Nathan's right, the end product's not there, but to receive four progressive passes is encouraging. And Sessegnon with two, um, a little less encouraging, but he did make some good runs that weren't found some of the time, Sessegnon, I thought. And actually, like when he got the passes, he was pretty effective. I mean, the one where um, he almost squared it for Kane was... Um, it got put out for a corner, but it was so close to being such a good mm. and typical Conte goal. It would have been, it would have been perfect. But I feel like with a lot of these players, Delhi, Sessegnon, Dombele, there's so much more to come. This is just the start. This is the, these are the building blocks we're seeing now. Sure, Winks as well, um, who was magnificent. Yeah, let's talk about Winks. Let's talk about mm. Winks. So, so Winks, I would say, is probably with Delhi the most criticised player. Uh, in, in our in our ranks, maybe Lascelles, Chelsea as well, but but Winks gets a lot of criticism. People are wanting to bin him off. They're fed up with him. Get rid. And I think Winks showed today that there is absolutely a future for him at Spurs. And now it's probably more in his hands, like whether he wants to go and and be an absolute nailed-on starter elsewhere. Um, Bardi, what did you make of Winks's performance? I think we we've all said this. I think this was an opportunity for every single player to 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 do something under a new manager where um the manager would play you if you if you show the desire needed and the, the tactical ability to do it and we've seen it for Davies who was a player we all wanted gone now he's probably one of our best defenders and what we saw from Winks was great i mean he he embodied the Antonio Conte role he was he was everywhere he was making challenges he was pressing his passing was was um, ambitious as it well was. it wasn't it wasn't safe all the time he's i mean his, his assist was a little bit lucky that Allison made a mistake, but it was one of those balls that you know it put it in a dangerous place, and it was a it was a good run and break through midfield, and it was a, it was a good attempt at a through ball that ultimately scored that ultimately resulted in the goal. And I thought he was great, just like um just like Ben, and I thought. Yeah, my love for Ben Davies just keeps growing, and this is this is a this is a man crush I never thought I'd have. <laughs> I thought Ben, you know, he's boiled chicken and boiled veg. That's all he's been to me all my life, and now all of a sudden he's he's so much more than that. He's he's boiled chicken in, in a nice bit of stock. He's, he's such a lovely, lovely defender who doesn't make mistakes, doesn't give away needless free kicks. He's really dependable. He's gone from he's gone from gentle Ben to seasoned Ben. Seasoned, seasoned ben. ben, nice. Uh, Nathan, Chris Summersell put out a tweet that I really liked. It said, It's really nice seeing Delhi getting plaudits after today, but it really does lay bare how awful our pundits are. They never once reacted to his production dropping to look deeper into underlying data, change of style, different roles he played. They just blamed attitude. Yes, yes, that's true. Um, I don't know. There's not really a lot we can do about that. Um, and that, I think, shapes fan opinion. And then it becomes what they want to hear and everything else. Uh, but look, people say people are already saying, and fairly reasonably, I think, that look, this is one game versus, you know, two and a half years of crap. So maybe he's just trying to get himself in the window, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think that I don't agree that he's putting himself in the window, but I think we have to accept the the one game point and say, look, mm. this was a, a week in Liverpool side and all that stuff. So we do need to see more, right? This isn't it's over, hooray, Delhi is solved, right? This is, I think, a really important and big step in a good direction. Um, I'm optimistic that we will see more of this. Um but I don't think I don't think we can go in immediately and say he's now immediately like a first eleven locked on player and and everything else. So I think we want to remain calm for a for a couple more weeks. But I'm I'm really I'm really optimistic that basically I think that he put in a similar performance against Mura, right? And so I think that this is his second game doing this, and, and no one else thinks that, right? But that's fine. I'm, um, I'm with you all the way. I'm with you okay. every step of the way. Um, but I think that. Um, 
yeah, we want to remain a little calm on, mm. on all of this and not do the big victory parade just yet. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I'm, I'm excited. So, so with that in mind, uh, Gumnut says, now that Delhi is on course for player of the season, do we still <laughs> sell him while his stock is high? Brackets again. <laughs> Buddy, do you, do you sell Delhi now? And now he's proven that he's still got it in his locker. Do you flog him? It is one game, but his, his skill set is much better for our team than what Lucas has. Lucas has some great skills, but Delhi offers us something else. And if Delhi can keep playing like this then then he's an asset that will will help us that will help us long term and he will he will get 12 goals and assist this season and i will happily pay up pay my debt <laughs> yes. because i am not a yes. coward <laughs> and if he does 12 goals and assists for tottenham that is the bet it's not 12 goals and assists for for psg or newcastle windy i think um nuno deserves some credit here right because under pochino we saw and under Mourinho, we saw delhi play two different roles and one was the the sort of out and out second striker where his job is to um you know hang around in midfield and then arrive in the box and he does like contribute to build up play but not very much and then his main focus is on getting goals and he can disappear for an entire game and then score a winner and everyone loves him right and then we saw the other side of delhi which was being asked to be a ball progressor right playing in a midfield role and him being sort of an okay ball carrier who has a bad habit of holding onto the ball for too long on counter-attack goals every time he received the ball in the break i was saying release the ball did it release the ball did it and he did which is great um and that role sort of not suiting him not getting the best out of him and that getting him branded as like a bad lazy flop who isn't the player he used to be all that kind of stuff um but what Nuno did for a bit um, and what Conte did in this game was use him in this role where, yes, he's a member of the midfield, but he isn't a ball progressor in that role, right? His job is to do the up and down off ball running, both defensively and offensively. So it's Wink's ball to pass the job to pass the ball forward, right? And Dyer's ball to pass the ball forward. And it's Ndombele's uh, role to carry the ball forward and, and be dynamic in those kind of ways. We're going to use the wing backs. We're going to combine as a team. Delhi isn't going to do a lot of, of ball progression, but he's going to do a hell of a lot of work defensively. He's going to make the off the ball runs. He's going to help out his wing back defensively. He's going to use his positioning to, to open up lanes to everyone else. Um, that I think is, is not like just waiting on an opportunity for Delhi for his whole career to just like, Oh, who's still playing a second striker in their team? Who, who wants to carry me in possession until I'm in the box? Right. But to play this other role where he's, He's going to score less than he did at his highest scoring rate, right? Because he has to mix up his his work, and he's he becomes because like for example, Kane and Son are in front of him. He's now not the secondary goal scorer, but the tertiary goal scorer. So he's maybe hitting twelve is like oh, it's going to be one way or the other. It's going to scrape. It's going to be close at this point in the season. Um, but he what the the additional thing he's adding is is his up and down work, his up and down running and an off ball box to box midfielder. And that I think is what we can see from him going forward from here and, and getting the best out of him. And I'm really excited for that. I, th- I think that's a really astute point. And um, I would just add to it that, that whilst Nuno had the idea to have Delhi as the, the runner, the one who would join the attack and be found, uh, he didn't have the ball progression. He couldn't find a way for us to move the ball through our midfield sure. or otherwise. And now we've got... So then he became carrying that slack again, which was the, which was the problem. Or, or doing the running and, and getting nothing for it. Sure. Which is which is just very frustrating, and you know how many times do we see Delhi not get the ball and then just jump both foot into the air and spin in frustration? <laughs> that, that seemed like throw his arms out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and now we've got multiple ways of progressing the ball. We've got pl- we, we we're playing it through midfield. You know, Bardi's already pointed out that Winks was quite ambitious with his passing, and we've got more of that to come from Ndobele hopefully over the next few games. We've also got Eric Dyer playing lots of really effective cross fields and. Um, and even Sanchez, as Bardi points out as well, there's a, he, he even had a pass in his locker in this game. And then you've got the wing back to seeing lots of it. And it's, it's great. It's so exciting to sort of see multiple ways of getting the ball forward. And, and mean, Daddy will thrive off that. The, these, these are professional footballers. So if I would expect a professional footballer, even someone like Sanchez, that if he's got the ball and a player has made a run into space, he he should be able to find him. And that's what we're having now. Players are moving into areas where there's space and with confidence that the ball will get there. And that's what it was. I've never seen a game where we've been able just to chip it over the opposition so many times and get a get them turning, get them facing their own goal. 
in the second half, we were we were hitting Reggion towards the end and Sessignon quite often just from just from defence. It was quite a, quite mm. a masterful thing to watch. Mm. Definitely, we're really maximising the ability of especially Wings, but Dyer as well. And both of them, it's it's predominantly a matter of facing the play when they receive yeah. the ball, mm. right? So Winks who's played most, you know, playing as the six or the number eight, so often he's receiving, uh, previously receiving from a centre-back who's directly behind him. He's receiving either back to goal mm-hmm. or on the half turn. And then he has to try and assess where the ball's going to go next. And the thing is, like, is Winks a technical passer? Even on his worst performance, Winks is a technically capable befo- mm-hmm. passer, right? He's always had that skill. That's always been his best skill, right? He's always putting a really good weighting, a really good spin on a pass that is so often just going to a fullback and then coming back to him. And then he plays back to the centre-back who passed it to the first place. And he's going, oh, this Winks is so frustrating. But, like, he's always had the skill. He's always had the ability. And he's always demonstrated occasionally the ability to hit progressive, important passes. And the difference is setting him up. It's not teaching him how to play those passes because he's always been able to play them, but it's him receiving the ball from Kane so that he can first time play the son who's already making the run because that's the drill. It's him receiving from the wing back who's ahead of him a backwards pass. Oh, we're passing backwards, right? Mm-hmm. So that Winks can receive the ball when he's facing the play and he can assess and there's movement and there's good spatial occupation. He's got three options. Two of them are moving away. One of them is moving towards him and then you get the best out of his technical passing. I still think that Winks isn't one of the best players in our squad. He might be the best suited to that role that we have in the squad at the moment. I still think that, um, and it's harsh to say this on the back of the Liverpool performance, I still think that he has defensive issues in his game that just aren't going to go away, even under a really good coach such as Conte. Um, I still think that we want to consider his role in the squad, but right now um, he's offering us something really quite significant in terms of his ability to to pass the ball um, and his assist for Son. Um, uh, <laughs> he's playing the ball through for Son. Yeah, it didn't <laughs> was, get uh, counted. Was, yeah. It was a pity for him <laughs> Yeah, because of that touch from Alisson. He's... Uh, it- uh, but I completely agree with the the point about the sort of the condition in which he's receiving the ball being the crucial point with um, getting the best out of Winks and same for Dyer. Um, yeah. One thing I noticed a lot of in this game was Winks would receive the ball back to goal, play it straight back to a centre back, which encouraged the player who was around Winks to then press the centre backs, whilst Winks would move into space to receive again, mm. and the centre back was ambitious enough, normally Dyer, to play a ball into Winks's feet on the half turn. It's a risky thing to do, and you will lose the ball sometimes there. But if it, if it works, you've beaten Liverpool's press, or we certainly did on this occasion. And then Winks can turn out, and he's got players ahead of him. You know, Sessignon, Delhi, Son making runs in behind. So it's really encouraging that we're sort of having the bravery and possession to try that. And that is coaching. That is what good coaching looks like. You know, players who previously would have been nervous about doing that because what do I do if it goes wrong? But Conte's got them to believe in the system, believe in the approach that he's implementing. And I think this was the, the first game where we really saw... I mean, we've seen signs, but we really saw signs of, of good coaching uh, in terms of player improvement, not just in terms of systems. The other thing is we've we've beaten some bad teams recently and it has been... We've been, we've been looking at this game as, as a watermark to see if we've, if we've actually improved because... At the moment, the Premier League is is kind of like that where Arsenal get beat by a couple of teams and they go on this run and just churn through three points by by beating the rest of the league, which isn't that good. So we've been looking at this game just to really find out how, if Conte's had an impact at Tottenham, and you can see it, Mm -hmm. he's had a huge impact. And this is a a really positive thing and something we should all be very, uh, yeah, very positive about. And it's, yeah, makes me nice and warm, Windy. (laughs) Those those games in in hand look... uh... Very three-pointy right now, don't they? (laughs) Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
Uh, Monocles says there's been a lot of chat about how Delhi could be one of the big winners if we play 3-5-2 or 5-3-2 more going forwards who do you think the main losers would be if we made that switch mm. is that it for Bergvine if we play that way consistently it's an interesting question um, Conte's actually already commented on the potential of Bergvine to play as a second striker which I presume was with 3-5-2 in mind yeah um, so is it Lucas Bardi? Yeah, I think Lucas Lucas will be useful against certain teams that sit deep and you just need to add a chaos mixture to it. And I think we've all we've all said Lucas remains a decent substitute player yeah, and someone yeah. that can come on and change games that way. So I I think Delhi, if he starts to play more, uh, Lucas will be his his kind of swap player to to bring it in. Bergwijn, I'm not sure where he fits. I always thought it would be as the um uh, the lesser son, or I don't really see him playing Kane's role, but. We don't really have anyone else that can play Kane's role. So Bergwijn will get minutes for sure over Christmas. But yeah, I don't say if he would be a main loser because he doesn't even play at the moment, really, does he? I think uh, Lucas Bergwijn and, and Hill have not a huge number of minutes, essentially, to share between them for mm. going forwards. Um, I mean, I don't think it's an absolute certainty that we're switching to, to three five two from here onwards. I hope that we are because I think it suits our squad. I think it suits our... Um, <laughs> our spatial occupation uh, and everything else. I think the three five two is really good for us, but I'm not absolutely certain that that's what we'll see from here forwards just because of this game necessarily. Um, I think that yeah, one of the one of the things that we do get from this game, regardless of shape, is that we now have um, five midfield options for two or three places. Right um, now, I think that we can just sort of rotate through that and around that and 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 continue to change it up week by week until we settle into what we think is our best combination of players and there's a lot of football to be played um but i'm worried that we will sort of i don't know um just go like stumble quickly into favorites from here and then lock in with them um it's a difficult one because like i don't know so windy for example you were really impressed with wink's performance but you also said you wanted skip in that in your in your first choice eleven, so does that mean dropping Winks? I would like to see Skip play the number six role and 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 have the tasks that Winks had uh, to see what that looks like. Um, but I don't think he's as technical a passer as Winks, for example. Um, or are you talking about dropping and Dombley? No, I'm I'm talking about dropping Winks, and I think Skip um, might be as technical a passer, and definitely is a lot stronger defensively. But sure. but I think that's a lovely rotation to have. And then, you know, Huybier can essentially play either role alongside, I think, as a again, as a rotation. I mean, my point's always been that we just can't get so set on a fixed first 11 yeah, and we've got so. to have more rotation. And I think in, in some ways, you know, when we had that, that terrible, it was Mura, wasn't it, where we rotated 10 players and... We looked awful, and everyone was like, well, "No way in B." Yeah. yeah, exactly. And everyone was like, "Well, look, the, this is our second level. They're all terrible. They're all awful. This is why Conte is not." And it's like, "Well, actually, if you bring four of them in at a time, like we did, and and, we did and, and play accident. them with the best, the other best players, <laughs> they're pretty good." And so I suspect the same would be the case if we were to play Bergvine or or Heel or whoever it might be. I think even Dotty, I think, could probably do just you know, yeah, if, if Dotty had played <laughs> if Dotty <laughs> played instead of Emerson Real yesterday, I think he probably would have been all right. Like uh, I, nah. he wouldn't have been amazing, but I think he'd have been all right. And the point I'm making is we've gotta ro- just get used to the idea of rotating a bit more and yeah, allow sure. it to become a, a feature, particularly with the rearranged games that we're about to slot in. I mean, Son and Kane can't play every minute of every game. So that means probably <laughs> Bergvine. <laughs> he might try and force them to, but it's not yeah. going to be very healthy for them. Okay. This So Hoybier didn't play, didn't start a Premier League game for the first time in like over 50 matches or something insane. Um, so uh, big congratulations to him on his little break and, <laughs> and hope he rests up. Um, it's, it's remarkable. It's really quite remarkable, and and the 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 work he's gone through over the last you know, year yeah. and a half or whatever is is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and I think as as we said before, has had like a negative effect on him. Um, well, it's the mental strain as well as the physical strain, isn't it? Because he is definitely a leadership figure in the team, and and feels the responsibility keenly, as we see, you know, visibly on the pitch, and that must take its toll. And so just the expectation that, you know, everyone's relying on you, Pierre, 
um, to, to be there. And yeah, that's that's going to be tough. So great for him to actually have a, a break, even though it was enforced. And um, Bardi, I'm interested in hearing whether you think we... I know I've just said we need rotation, but for the next Premier League game, do you think we stick with the same 11 or do you think players come back in automatically? Uh, I... D- I think we'll. Pro- I think we might see the same team. Um, I just think Palace will. Even under, they're not as quiet as defensive as they were under Hodgson with Vieira. But I think I think Palace will be obviously a different, different challenge. But I would like to see like to see Endombele and Delhi start again, just to just to see if it was a one. Just just to kind of confirm that it's not a one-off fluke and that they this they are settled in and they will be um, they will be like regular starters. It'd be nice to see them. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I sort of feel like the players have, have earned that as well. I think so. Um, I, I do suspect there will be some changes for the the um, the EFL Cup match against West Ham. I suspect we'll have a bit of rotation for that one, depending on how players are feeling, I guess, after COVID and then a really taxing game against Liverpool. But I, I would imagine Lucas and Regulon would come in, maybe Tanganga. Doherty would come in for maybe, sure. Maybe, and maybe Bergvine too. Uh, Lachelso was back on the bench also. He didn't get on, but... Um, he was back from injury, also, so so perhaps he gets a start against West Ham. I guess I guess we'll I guess we'll see. Uh, this is a question from Anabolist. Anabolist? How do you pronounce that word? Anabolist, I think. Uh, exciting, tenacious performance yesterday, but this is the extra inch. So defending hmm. cutback crosses from the byline is obviously tricky, but is there a good system for doing this against teams that play into the channels a lot, like Liverpool? Should having three centre backs help with this in theory? Not digging out our defenders here. Just wondered if you have any insights or on methods to defend against it. It's a good question. Um, I think sometimes it, it just it needs a defender just to be a bit smarter and not get dragged towards goal. It's just, like the first instinct is always just to to rush to the goal to protect it, and it just with three defenders it should happen. It should offer a little bit more that one could afford not to get dragged in and just step out to try and to try and cut it cut it off. Um, I would like to see that happen because sometimes my one of my main criticisms about Dyer is he just goes too deep. Whereas if he just held his position, he would have just cleared it easily. But we are seeing our defenders make nice, uh, nice blocking, nice blocks now. Sanchez does what has done one. I've seen Dyer do a few over the recent, over the last few weeks as well. So maybe they are getting smarter at, at defending this because there's, there's more of them. It's typically the other way round. Um, teams who play with the back three tend to be some a little bit more vulnerable to cutbacks because um okay uh because you are if you think about a 532 or a 343 however you want to look at it those are three <laughs> numbers right so those are three lines of defending and um a good bit of combination wing play can squash um your two your your further back two lines together and then there isn't or there's unlikely to be one of your forwards defending on the edge of your box because that's very deep for everyone um and so if the opposition can draw your midfielders into your already sort of wide and flat back line then you become very vulnerable so when we played a back three in the pots you know we were vulnerable to cutbacks um i remember um Juventus playing a back three were vulnerable to cutbacks. Um, it's, I mean, you could play, um, you can play a back three and have four lines. You can play what, like a, um, <laughs> a three, one, two, one, two, right? Um, uh, and, and, and occupy more lines that way. Um, but yeah, it's 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 less about what your centre backs are doing because they kind of have to stay in a line, right? They kind of have to move with the play, and so um, the the wide centre backs are like trying to block the cross, the the near post cross, and they kind of have to prioritise that role, and so it becomes the midfielder's job to um, to defend the cutback. And if you're playing a midfield two. They can be easily outnumbered. If you're playing a midfield three, then you're, then Delhi can be sort of advanced in the play and, or drawn out wide or whatever. So, um, yes, it is kind of, uh, not like a guaranteed, but a somewhat inherent weakness of, of playing back three is, is vulnerability to cutbacks. I, I like the um, systemic analysis there, Nathan, but I think there's also a bit of coaching coaching analysis that needs to be done as well in terms of I, I think a good coach would improve our ability to to cut out crosses better. 
It's about body shape for me. I think this has been a problem, I think, with some of our defenders for a while, and I would include Dyer in that. As much as I, th- I think that Dyer is playing his best football since he played holding midfield for us at the moment, and I think he's probably in with a chance of getting back in the England squad. I do think he's, his body shape for defending crosses is not the best, and Sanchez is, is really not the best. It's about having an open um, body shape so that you can see where the ball's coming from, so you're seeing the man crossing the ball, but you're also seeing the player who is... Um, who's challenging for the ball in the middle. And on Liverpool's first goal yesterday, Sanchez is angled too far towards the corner flag, essentially. So he can't see um, Yotta. He he's unable to sort of see what's happening in the box around him. And I think good defensive coaching can improve that situation quite considerably over time. Uh, you mentioned Dyer for England there for a second. And that reminded me that like as Dyer's stock is going up, among Spurs fans right now, which I'm really glad to see. Um, there's developing a strong hatred of Harry Maguire because <laughs> it's like they're in direct competition. And I'm seeing like, especially on Reddit, but elsewhere on Twitter and stuff as well, there's like a really strong anti-Harry Maguire narrative developing. And I just want to say he's quite good too. He's also really good on the ball. It doesn't have to be like this. Like you can't, especially, especially if you go from like, 18 months of digging Eric Dyer out. <laughs> you can't then go, this fucking Harry Maguire guy, if he was still at Leicester, well, he did actually start for England when he was at Leicester. So let's pack that in for a start. Anyway, I just want to say, leave Harry Maguire alone a bit, basically. That's, I think that's very fair. I did not have Nathan down as being the leader of the Harry Maguire Defence League, but... I don't think I would be either. I just, I just, I don't know. There's a, there's a weird thing developing. There's, there's room for both in the England squad, you know. Mm. Um, Bardi, there was some, some decisions yesterday um, that, that <laughs> oh. totally shaped the nature of the game. <laughs> and well, it totally, totally shaped the narrative post game, and it gave, it gave Liverpool fans a, an excuse and a reason to get upset over the decisions rather than the fact that they came to Spurs and they got knocked about a bit. And that's that's what's been the most upsetting thing, that they, they're hanging on to this as as something like, oh, they should have sent Kane off. You should just play better and win the game. And this is what's really got my goat with with this, especially because I had a, I had a friend over this weekend who I, who I took to the stadium and he, he's a Liverpool fan. And my God, he didn't... I went to bed last night at 11 o'clock because he just wouldn't stop talking about the decisions. So I had to leave him on his own downstairs and I went to bed because it's given him an excuse to, to complain about that rather than the fact that we were better. What was it like um, being in the stadium with all the VAR reviews? Fine. It wasn't as bad as it's... You know, half of them, I didn't even know they were happening because... I guess, they yeah. They didn't say... Yeah. There were an excessive amount in this match. It did feel like there were so many... Well... They didn't all, well, we they didn't all end it, up as, as reviews, but there, there were so many moments that were being reviewed as the match went along. I mean, I do feel like we, we did get some quite favourite. I mean, the Kane one was, it was such an obvious sending off, I thought. And Nathan, what do you think about um, some of these decisions? I don't care. Yeah. yeah. I think, I, I think they sort of largely, I think there were uh, several bad decisions. I think they largely kind of evened out. Yeah. Maybe you argue mm. that that, the worst one is not sending off Kane because then that completely reshapes the entire game versus just giving the, the penalty. So we were one up at the time, and you know we might have just bunkered in. And... We were already bunking ringing. Um, so I, I don't want to dissect. Okay, okay, okay. Rather than going through seven incidences and talking about them in detail and making guesses about rules that we haven't read, but it doesn't matter if we haven't read them because the officiating is different from how the rules are actually written. <laughs> um, let's say that. Um, I say that referees are really weird people, right? <laughs> Every referee that you know is like a weird bloke. The people who want to become referees in this country and I assume abroad as well are like the bizarre oversection, over, cross oversection of like wannabe footballers and wannabe policemen, right? They're the weirdest guy you know and they have just like, they're the, they're the kids like reminding the teacher that we have homework, right? Um, and, as a result, right, because you're picking from such a finite uh, psychological character of people, of weird people, um, they're not that great. Now, they're not great individually, and we don't have a great system set up because our use of VAR is kind of messy and weird. And the weird blokes who want to be athletes and want to be policemen don't want to correct one another because they respect each other, even though they definitely shouldn't. So, 
Um, this isn't a call out on individual referees, right? Um, except for Mike Dean, because he's the weirdest one of all. Um, what I'm saying is we have landed in a situation like, do you want to be a referee, Wendy? No, but not. Of course not. But not right? for the reasons you're saying. Okay, right. No, 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 no. You don't want to be a referee because it's an awful, awful job to have, right? Yeah. Because you have these super high pressure, difficult calls to make. And if you make them wrong, then you will receive death threats to your family in the post, right? I think that we have to make refereeing a more worthwhile endeavor so that we are selecting referees from a wider area and a better area of the population that, again, aren't just weird blokes. So... Honestly, I think that is one of the most mean-spirited things I've ever heard you say. You're su- Maybe. You're such a nice man, Nathan. And, uh, yeah, and well... You, uh, I mean, I, I sort of see it so differently to that. But, I, I think there wait, are wait, some... wait, wait, go wait, wait. The point, the point I'm going with this is that we have to make refereeing a thing that people want to be. Mm. And yes, we can attempt to change the culture and we can attempt to change the language and discussion around referees, which is contrary to what I've just been doing. You're right. But I think that if we pay referees a lot more, then you get a higher class of referee. Yeah, I, I think um, I totally agree with that. I, I absolutely agree with that, the last point. Um, but I, I do think you're... So I, I would think, and maybe I'm being too charitable, I, I would think it's almost like... Um, so it's almost like a charitable endeavour being a referee when when you're yeah. not at Premier League. I, I mean, it's people giving up their time to not participate in the fun thing, the sport, but to yeah. to be there to allow others to do that. And I think that's well, a really I mean. kind gesture. I think that's like referees, particularly at grassroots level, are so like that's such a giving thing. Like they're taking on roles which are really difficult and require them to sort and of thankless, thank completely thankless. Um, so I think the smartest and best referees, they do a bit of grassroots refereeing and then they get a real job that pays better and means that they don't have as much time anymore and they stop refereeing. No, but I reckon what probably happens is they do grassroots refereeing and then they go, actually, um, this is really good for my fitness. I'm, I'm keeping, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, like it's healthy. I'm, I'm learning some good leadership skills and I've got an assessor telling me that I'm doing a really good job, which is probably quite rewarding. And then you progress, and as time goes on, you you progress a bit more, and then you know you stumble upon becoming a Premier League referee. I don't think that necessarily means you're excessively weird, or I, do. I mean, some of them are. <laughs> I mean, Mike Dean is weird, but I don't think all of the Premier League referees are, are weird. I think there's some that seem pretty sound. Uh, what I would say is. Um, Absolutely, I think we need to make it more prestigious. I think we absolutely yeah. need to mic them up. And if that means players are swearing too much and we need to tackle that separately, then so be it. But we need to hear what referees are saying during the match because it creates much more of a sense of respect because we understand how difficult they're how many how many how many decisions they're having to make constantly throughout the match. There's a decision here, then there's another decision, then there's another decision. They're constantly thinking, they're constantly talking to their their assistant referees, they're constantly talking to the fourth official. It's really challenging and therefore it is a difficult job to do. My frustration is that the video assistant referee should be there to support them and make their job easier and I've said this multiple times, but I think they've still not got the balance right on the threshold of correcting decisions, which means referees are giving things or not giving things when they should be doing the opposite because they think that the VAR will correct it and the VAR is not always correcting it's it. And refusing I, I, to hear. Yeah, because the threshold hasn't been met. And I think that's a, I think that's a real problem they need to iron out with um, this system. It's great for offsides if you like that kind of thing. I mean, some people don't even <laughs> like that, but... I don't think it is as good for... I think the, the Harry Kane challenge is a little bit of a, an exception because I think that should have... I honestly think that should have just been a, a VAR review, red card, get on with the game. But the so. but the Yotta penalty call, which I think could be argued either way personally because I do think he does stop to encourage the contact. But I think the Harry Winks penalty call where... You know, it's much more genuine from Winks. He's not trying to create a situation where he's fouled. He's just trying to get his foot to the ball, and um, and Matip sort of wraps a foot around him and ends up catching him in the sort of um, hip area. That I think that realistically should have been a penalty. And I think if it had been called in real time, the VAR doesn't wipe it out because again, the the VAR in that situation where it's kind of like sixty forty either way. There's not enough in it for the VAR to change the decision anyway. So what I'm saying is I, I just think you need to tweak that balance. 
a little bit, give a little bit more room for correcting missed calls, and then we'll have a better experience as fans. But um, I do understand why Bardi's mate is frustrated about the Harry Kane one, because when something like that happens early on in the match, and in my view it is clear-cut, he's, you know, when you watch it in real time, it's absolutely reckless, out of control. He's It's a very, very fast-paced challenge you know he's pumped because he's just scored his first home league goal of the season and I think he's just let it get to a little bit and he's trying to I mean right I don't think we've ever had quite have you had he got sent off have we ever had this many sending offs in a, <laughs> such a, good a short point. space of time good point yeah yeah what was the um crowd reaction like to the referee body they went after the referee as you would expect they really did um they thought both teams he, both both sets of fans they they were kind of quiet but the the Spurs fans really didn't like the referee and yeah because there were some interesting decisions i thought for where i was i thought the delhi um when delhi got pushed over was a penalty and i also thought the foul on winks was really clumsy just on the edge of the box mm. and i thought perhaps that could have been a penalty as well yeah same um europa conference league um we've lost we've lost we're out we've been given a a 3-0 defeat do we care probably better than if we'd have played it so yeah i mean i think the only person that cares is daniel levy right because the 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 lost revenue will be genuinely fairly significant um in a year where we could probably do with the money because of covid stuff can't do with the games (laughs) yeah (laughs) absolutely i i do i feel i feel like it's for the best and um I'm not even that angry with UEFA on this one, to be honest. The the process was stupid to yeah. arrive at this point, but the point that we've arrived at is whatever. Yeah, it's like what's worse, Spurs for cancelling the match because of the COVID outbreak or Ren for being difficult about agreeing when to replay the match and, and, and maybe they could have changed the rules to allow a, a replay to happen after the 31st of December and that would have been a compromise. And then maybe we could have done it last week when we didn't play Leicester, but then the Premier League refused to cancel that until the last minute as yeah. well. So it's just a mess all over the shop. Yeah, but it's not the end of the world, is it? It's, uh, I don't think any of us are unhappy to be out of that dog shit competition. So, Bardi, A. Watson says, a rich ninth cousin twice removed you didn't know you had disappears and leaves you a large sum of money under the explicit condition that you use it to make a Spurs-themed Christmas film. Where is it based? What is the plot? And who from the current squad turns out to secretly be the villain? Okay, so there's there's this guy... And he has a he has a factory. And it's a very successful factory. It's pretty good. And they make guns and they make Ooh. grenades. Ooh. And this factory is top notch. Has all the best tech and everything. But all they do is just produce evil. Um, he employs a, a a well paid but equally abhorrent manager who whips the staff into working long hours and forces them to live on the premises. And they have to keep making these weapons of oh, evil. I wonder who could play that role. <laughs> um, at night. He he allows his his workers to watch TV, but um, it's normally really bad things. So like one night the workers are there, they're watching reruns of a amazing nil nil draws that take place in cold wet areas up north <laughs> where nothing happens. It's just all long throws and headers and boxing people in. It's it's terrible. But then as they're watching the stream, like quite quite often happens with streams footage of beautiful flowing football appears on the screen and suddenly these individuals who are just forced to make weapons of evil all the time they 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 see sunlight and they knew nothing but darkness but like now they're in the shower and where it's condensation they're drawing smiley faces and sun and they're starting to see that there's something else out there so as they're working on the factory line, putting all these grenades together, they start making little little things of joy, like trampolines, um, toys. But it's all in secret. But they suddenly realise that they have this power to do something. Like, and they make a little motto, no more grenades, just love. And they, they overthrow the regime. And it's great because now they're making toys and, and things of joy and everyone is happy. They're making so much money. They're building so much joy to the world. But then they realize that they can make even more joy and happiness by making weapons. So they decide to empower. They decide to capture a, a, another group of people, force them to make tools. And the, the circle starts again because that is life. And it, you start doing something for happiness and joy. And then ultimately the darkness corrupts you, which is probably not how a Christmas film should end. So we would have just cut before that bit. But yeah, yes, that's my Christmas. So, so who from the current squad turns out to secretly be the villain? Um, well, 
the, I mean, the villain is like, this would be set in a time of Jose Mourinho. Obviously, he's the he's the <laughs> abhorrent evil manager. I would I'd like to say the person that finds joy and starts to realize happiness is and let's give let's give it to Winks. He's had a he's had a good week, so he could be the one that starts to draw the smiley faces. Uh, where does it take place? Probably in North London somewhere. Yeah, that's my, my Christmas. My favorite oh. thing about that um that that script. Was, was the, the first Script. thing he came up with to represent joy was a trampoline. <laughs> yeah, they, Very they sweet. are joy. They are, I mean, what's bouncing is is happiness, no? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I never thought of bouncing as happiness as a tagline, but uh, that's definitely giving the title of the podcast. <laughs> uh, Nathan, any any? Um, no, any I'm not going to follow ideas? up that fever dream. I think I'm just going to leave that as it is. Thanks. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's probably wise. Um, Bardi's obviously caught something. Unwell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's caught some joy. Um, Merry Christmas <laughs> from the Exchange. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed our uh, our very optimistic, very positive post-Liverpool episode. Uh, our next podcast, we will be having one more podcast before the end of the year. It might be a day or so later than, than usual due to Christmas plans, but um, but we'll definitely be there. Have a wonderful Christmas. Hope you're able to spend it with, with your loved ones and that you are all healthy and, um, and just fine. We're going to win a league. You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help.